There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Hello and welcome to the Power Chord Hour podcast. Thanks for checking it out. As always, I am your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you with another episode. And we got another throwback one for you. I am out of town again this week. And uh, sorry, do not have another new one for you. But I didn't want to leave you empty-handed. So uh, I went through in the uh, went through the old radio vaults for you and uh you know just we we have all these interviews from the uh, radio show since we've been doing the power cord hour radio show for uh, four years and uh, just started doing the podcast this year so i mean we definitely have some uh interviews from just back in the day if you will that uh you know i want to i want to start putting more in the podcast feed so like i said you know while i am uh, down south this week i wanted to make sure that there was something here for you so uh this week we got a throwback one for you from last year. I interviewed Mark McMillan. You know him from Hawthorne Heights and the story changes. And uh, we did this one back in 2019 when the band released, uh, the story changes released their new record to hell with this delicate equation. And uh, not so new now. It's been out a year, but uh, was my favorite, one of my favorite records of 2019 and uh, still just so damn good. Mark is, uh, Mark is just such a good musician and uh, you know, what what him and Poppy, both of the story changes, who uh, are both now in Hawthorne Heights. Poppy plays drums in both bands, and uh, Mark sings and plays guitar in both of them, and uh, does does screaming in Hawthorne Heights. But uh, you know what what they brought? They're not original Hawthorne Heights members, but what they brought to the band when they uh, joined, I mean, is really, I mean, really has an influence on the band. If you go listen. You know they're they're not hired guns or anything like that. You know Mark Mark writes helps uh, write a lot of the new the new Hawthorne Heights stuff, and uh, you know his his influence on it is really good. I mean Mark has uh, I mean for one he just has a damn good taste in uh, music, just really good musical influences, and uh, you know just great musician himself. And uh, this uh, this record, the hell with this delicate equation, one of my favorites of last year. And uh, their best album, The Story Changes. I'm always a fan of what they do, but uh, on this record, it really did seem like they just really found their footing and, uh, you know, just took it took it next level. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think what what we got is a record that uh, I, I still I still will put on a year later. And uh, it's still just as good, you know. I, I don't I don't think it I don't think it was a fluke, you know. Sometimes you get really into an album. You hate to say it, but you know, sometimes you get into a record, and uh, you know, time goes on, and you go listen to it again, maybe a year later, maybe five years later, whatever. But uh, and then the glimmer is gone, though. You know, it's like you don't you don't remember why you liked that record in the first place, why you liked that band in the first place. But thankfully, with the story changes. It is uh it is not that at all. You know, I like I said, I mean, you go back now and uh it's just as good as it was when it came out, if not better. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love it. They're such a good band. Mark is a good dude, Poppy is a good dude, and uh I mean, same with all the Hawthorne guys. It, it, it's funny because I feel like on here throughout the podcast and the radio show as well, um, they just the guys in Hawthorne Heights get mentioned a lot, and it's just they're just good dudes, and they just will somehow randomly get brought up 
constantly. I don't I don't know why, but just like JT, their singer will just whether it's he's turned me on to a lot of different bands though. So there is a lot of that too, where he'll be brought up because there's just all these really obscure bands that uh, he turned me on to. Some that aren't obscure either. I mean, he also got me into like Bruce Springsteen and uh, the Suicide Machines and uh, a couple other ones, you know, that aren't aren't very obscure. But I mean, he's got me into really obscure bands. He's got me into bands that aren't obscure. But he's like, dude, like I can't believe you don't like this band. Like you need to check this out. And uh, just always, always has something good. He's uh, and same with Mark. I mean, when I, whenever I see them, when I go see the guys play, they uh, always have good music recommendations and always good ones to talk music with. So uh, you know, but it is, it's just funny because if you go listen back, I mean, like I can guarantee you, there's there's just references to Mark and JT and uh, you know Madden Poppy and the rest of the dudes in Hawthorne. And, uh, you know, one of them, which, I mean, we got to bring up since, uh, you know, we got this interview with Mark for you. Fun fact, the uh, first time I ever ate Vietnamese food was uh, with the guys in Hawthorne Heights um, back in uh, 2015 when they played the Altar Bar, rest in peace, RIP to the Altar Bar, one of the uh, one of the uh, best um, in uh, Pittsburgh, it is, which is sadly closed now. But a really, really great venue they were uh, playing with uh, from Autumn to Ashes, who's doing a reunion tour at the time. And a really, really good show. But before the show, I met up with them, and we went and got Vietnamese food across the street and uh, some killer, killer Vietnamese food. Like I said, first time I ever had it, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. But it was delicious, and uh, it really was. I, I still it, – it's been five years since then, and uh, I, I – I guess I never go around that part of Pittsburgh now since Altar Bar isn't there. There's not really a reason to. So uh, I never really go that way. But I definitely, if I'm in that area, I don't know the name of it, but I think it's still there because I think it was there for years and years. But that Vietnamese place, really, really damn good across the street from uh, the Altar Bar. If you're uh, ever in that area in Pittsburgh, go uh, go check that out. That very specific. If you're ever in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, go go to the Vietnamese place across the street from the closed down music venue that a uh, mcdonald's which the the craziest shit to me not not even crazy I, I i'm not surprised that they do it and in a way you know what part of me part of me says respect there is a part of me where it goes you know what you guys made a killing off that you know it's kind of shitty but still you made a killing off of it but there's a mcdonald's next door to the altar bar and uh they they you could park there but they charge your ass 15 bucks and uh, not owned by Alter Bar, just next, like right next to the building, but owned by owned by the McDonald's. It was uh, next door to Alter Bar. And uh, it was funny because I remember they didn't even have an attendant. There was just you would park there and all of a sudden someone in there, you know, like a like a cashier from inside would just come out and like just you know, come up to your window, not, not knock on your window, like 15 bucks, <laughs> like, like cough it up, buddy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, part of me is like, fuck you guys. But the other part of me is like, damn, they get like, that's 15 bucks a pop. Like right there, parking was hard. Like if you've ever been in that part, it can be pretty busy. And, uh, you know, this was, this was middle of the afternoon too. When we went to go eat, I got there prior to the show and, uh, there was already nowhere to park. So I'm just like, all right, here's 15 bucks. And, uh, and, and yeah, that, uh, that, that McDonald's they're they are not that their reign of terror is over considering there's now no longer a venue to go there, go to there. I think the last show I saw there and probably one of the best shows, probably the best show I saw at Alter bar 
was a less than Jake playing losing streak and hello rock view back to back. I saw that in a 2016. I think it was the very last show I would have saw there, but I mean, talk about, talk about a show. My God, that was amazing. And, uh, just so cool. That was such a rad, uh, that was such a rad venue that was in an old altar was, uh, was really, really cool. And, uh, sounded, sounded good in there too. Unlike, unlike, you know, cause I love those, uh, old historic buildings that are venues, but there's, uh, there's the armory in Rochester. If you've ever been there, kind of talking about, uh, these more specific venues where if you know what I'm talking about, you probably get a kick out of it. Like, Oh, Hey, I know Like, Oh yeah. Like I've been to a show there, but if not, you're just like, I like the, the like, how the hell would I know what the altar bar is or whatever? But anyways, with the armory in Rochester, really, really cool old armory, but was not made for live music. I, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Someone let me know if you've seen more shows there than me or seen one more recently, but I, I've seen two shows there before and it the room is just not made the acoustics in there are just not made for live music it just sounds so muffled and muddy like there's just it does not sound good it's a beautiful place to see a concert but as far as like listening to it it does not sound good and you know i mean the first time i thought maybe it could be a fluke but the second time was the same way and uh it was like 5 years later too so, uh, you know, I mean, if you've ever been there and, and you know otherwise, you go, it sounds really good, let me know. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a terrible sound guy. But from what I could tell, it was just the room. You know, it was this old armory and it's this huge room. But the way it, the way it was spread out and everything, it, uh, you know, had like no acoustics and did not sound very good. It just sound very, very muddy. But, uh, you know, yeah, I will... I will quit reminiscing about uh, different venues, though I believe that I believe that Armory is still open. The uh, Altar Bar, rest in peace, is not. And uh, and I just thought of this as I was saying it um, a few episodes ago. I think I was talking about seeing uh, HR of Bad Brains at uh, the Fun House at Mister Small's, but I almost want to say in that I may have said. Now I'm thinking about this. Uh, the Altar Bar. Um, the, the small room at the altar bar, but that's a lie. I meant, I meant if, uh, you were listening to the June rundown episode, I meant Mr. Smalls in uh, Pittsburgh on there, but, uh, which is still going. And that's also a great venue. Pittsburgh has a lot of, uh, pretty good venues. Actually. I, uh, the best one is Livesburg, which, uh, is a, is a DIY house where they just do house shows and, uh, just absolutely amazing. You should look them up. They're really, really cool. Uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life was at Livesburg, and that was Tommy Stinson playing the living room. And, uh, I mean, no stage, nothing, just a carpeted living room in a house that they literally use for shows. I mean, nothing else. Like, that's what it's for. And uh, and it's amazing. It's not even – it's a punk house in a way, but it's not even owned by punks. It's uh, owned by a very nice family who, uh, I mean, have college-aged kids and uh, they, I, I don't know the entire story, but they, they were gonna do something with that house. It's not a house they live in. I think it's on their property though. And instead, went, you know what? We should uh, host live shows and let the band sleep here and uh, do donation. I think mostly donation-based shows and a bunch of other really cool stuff. So shout out Livesburg in uh, Pittsburgh or in a in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. But very, very cool. Shout out to them for putting on one of the greatest shows I ever saw. And uh, speaking of good shows, Mark McMillan of Hawthorne Heights and the Story Changes, both bands always put on um, just some of the best shows. 
Hawthorne Heights, I've seen, I it has to be over 20 times at this point, and Mark has played every show except the first time I saw them in uh, 2009, and then I saw them a few months later in 2010. He was playing with them, been playing with them ever since, and uh, I always loved Mark and was so happy to have him on. Got to have him on again sometime. He's just a really, really great guy. So right now, here is my interview with Mark McMillan of Hawthorne Heights and the story changes. Make sure you follow the show at Power Court Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. We're on YouTube. Maybe you're uh, listening on YouTube, but if you're not, um, you know, I just put all the uh, interviews and podcasts up on our YouTube page. Check that out. We got Power Court Hour guitar picks and stickers. And a shout out to Steve Clayton USA for making those custom picks for us and for hooking it up. And uh, I want to send you some free Power Chord Hour picks and stickers. Just hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. I'll mail you some out absolutely free. Those stickers are going like hotcakes. And uh, same with the picks, too. People people are really liking those. And uh, just want to send you some out for free. So hit me up, and that is that. Right now, here is a throwback episode. This is my interview with Mark McMillan from Hawthorne Heights and the Story Changes from 2019 right here on the power chord hour podcast right now on the power chord hour we're talking to mark mcmillan who is singer and guitarist of the story changes as well as lead guitarist and unclean vocalist of hawthorne heights the story changes just put out their first new album in over five years the record is called to hell with this delicate equation and is out now on megaphone records the album even debuted at number 10 on billboards heat seekers west north central we're going to talk about the album and a whole lot more. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's super hot in Ohio. I'm home for a couple of days, and uh, it's it's like kind of unbearable outside and humid. But other than that, I mean, and that's certainly nothing to complain about. So I'm good. Very nice. I know you uh, just got off a little quick uh, tour with Hawthorne Heights. You guys did a little run with Emery. How'd that go? Uh, it was great. We haven't really done um, shows with Emery in a long time, but... Um, the bands toured with them quite a bit back in the day and we're all friends and uh it was great to see those guys and see them perform every night um the shows were awesome this year's kind of an in-between year because we we put out bad frequencies last year um and toured hard on that and then we're looking at writing and recording a new record soon um so this year was supposed to be kind of a a slower year off the road so when we got approached about doing some 15-year anniversary stuff uh, we were excited about it, but at the same time, we, we didn't want to, um, I think every old band struggles with this or older band struggles with this. You want to, you want to embrace the new stuff, but you also don't want to like, um, blow off things like anniversary touring and stuff just cause it, it is fun and it's fun for the fans too. So we, we kind of looked at it as like, cool, we'll do some 15 year anniversary stuff, but, uh, we just can't be gone all year for that, that kind of thing. And on top of that, we really wanted to do it with Emery and they are only available certain certain pockets of time throughout the year so it kind of forced our hand into the store having to be in like shorter legs which is something we're not really accustomed to like this first leg was only two weeks long um but it ended up being awesome it made the whole thing as a whole like anything when you when you go out for work that long no matter how cool your job is after like when you go on tour for like a month and a half by the end of it you just get a little worn out and ready to go home and uh, the two-week time frame is kind of great because no one ever got too stressed and uh, too wore out, and it was awesome. We're doing a second leg on the West Coast in, like, Texas and stuff uh, in August, and I'm super excited about that. And now does uh, you guys are doing that with Emory as well? Yeah. 
Very nice. Yeah, the the two week uh, stints seem like that would be that's like the perfect amount of time. It seems like like you know it's not it's not two months or anything like that. That's kind of like a perfect spot before I'm sure you get kind of tired of that. But yeah, either either way, yeah. it sounds like you're stoked to be home for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of a nice to break it up. Um, and we're actually home for uh, some chunks this summer, which is something that's rare. I I think we've only been home like two summers in the last. 10 years kind of nice to kind of like spend a little bit of it at home you know i can imagine um i want to i want to talk about you know the new story changes record and uh i did notice that you ended up building a home studio and self-producing to hell with this delicate equation i mean how was it self-producing this was this the first time you guys did that for a story changes record yeah um it was it was awesome it was kind of terrifying at first (laughs) um but uh Essentially, I, I've been involved in like demoing um, the story records for a long time. Like every time we go and do a record, we always kind of record our demos at home beforehand. Um, you know, and even in our earliest days, we did this, but it was just kind of like rough four track stuff. Um, and then up to the last couple of things we did, we did more involved demos. Uh, I started building this, like my, my home studio started about a year and a half prior to when we started tracking the record um with the intention of just kind of um upping my game to demo the Hawthorne Heights record here so we ended up demoing bad frequencies at my house and I I just kind of went on a binge and got some newer gear and kind of updated the space a little bit and um and kind of moved everything into a section a lot of stuff was kind of scattered around my house and kind of just made like a a nice space for all that together. And then after we demoed the Hawthorne record, uh, I just loved that whole process of working on the songs here. Um, and on a side note, I think that's the most prepared we have ever been for a Hawthorne record. Like when we went in to record that record in, in the real studio, um, we booked like close to a month of time. And I think we were done in like 12 days or something. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we were like done so early. Um, so we ended up coming home and had the engineer just apply those days that we had paid for to start mixing the record early. Um, so it was cool. It was a nice feeling of being like everyone was prepared and just basically had to go in and already knew what they wanted to do on it, you know? Um, so um, to tie it all into the question, uh, so when it came time to do the Story Changes record this time, the hardest part initially about getting, we had the songs and the hardest part about it was kind of um, figuring out a block of time where I could block off a couple of weeks to go to the studio just because our schedule with Hawthorne Heights is kind of all over the place all the time went about it. I was like, let's just start demoing the record here with the intention of maybe that'll end up being the record. And at first it was kind of scary, but once we kind of got a, uh, a rhythm for it and like a kind of a workflow, it ended up being awesome. It makes me never want to go to like a big studio again. So fun. I tracked all the guitars in my pajamas. <laughs> So, I mean, that seems then you'll keep going down that path. And, I mean, I got to give you some uh, compliments here. I did not realize it was self-produced until a couple of days ago. I thought that uh, uh-huh. either either Jamie or someone produced it. I think it's one of your best-sounding records. So, I Thank mean, that's... Yeah. And, I mean, and I, I've, you know, like, I'll give Jamie Wolford a ton of credit. Jamie Wolford is who uh, mixed the record. And he's also the guy that recorded recorded and produced uh, a lot of the earlier Story Changes stuff. Um and he he did a fantastic job mixing the record, um, but he knew he kind of knew exactly what we wanted and um, 
and after working with him so many times over the years, like we kind of had an idea of how to record it in a way that if Jamie got his hands on it, he'd make it sound like a story changes record, you know? So it was cool. Does that, does that like blow your mind that you can do this now? Like in your home, I was talking to, uh, we had Tim from Alistair on here a few months ago and yeah. they did a lot of the, they just put out a, a best of where they re-recorded a bunch of their old stuff. And he was telling yeah. me the same thing. He's like, yeah, we, we, did most of that at home i'm like this thing sounds great where'd you record it he's like my my bedroom it's yeah, i it's, mean it's insane um it's amazing that how far the technology's come and uh it's pretty it's pretty wild we did we recorded drums um in a studio we recorded drums with micah carley they used to play in hawthorne with me um in troy ohio at his studio um just because drums are the one thing with a home studio it's just really hard to get it kind of right you know, unless you have like the nice big open room um, with the proper acoustics for it and like a really insanely nice mic collection. But uh, we did the drums there and then did everything else in my house. And then uh, and the, the beauty of it was just doing it here just allowed for us to take our time and took all the stress away. Like normally when we've had to record a Story Changes record or, or even a Hawthorne record, there's always just a dead like a, a deadline, a set time. And it's always, it always usually can't budge because you've, you've rented out the studio for that day and have the recording engineer for that day. And if like, if anything runs behind or gets switched around, then you have to reschedule. And then it puts you back. Like they're usually booked up for a couple months at a time. And then you're just dealing with like your touring schedules already playing out for six months. So it's kind of a, it's kind of nerve wracking because like everything about the process is like, you have to book it so far in advance and then you have to make sure you have to have the songs ready by then and finished. And it kind of, and in one way it forces your hand to be ready. But, um, this time around with doing it at home, we had no deadline at all. So we just made the decision that, uh, for the story changes records, we didn't, we didn't owe any, when we started recording it, we weren't signed to anyone. It didn't owe anyone a record or anything. So it was kind of a nice feeling just to do it at home, take our time. And the rule, the only rule we made was like, it's not done till it's done and we'll know when it's done. And we essentially just, whenever we were home from tour, I would just kind of work on it in like spurts of time and um, just kind of pick up where we left off, which took a long time to get it done. But uh, it was extremely satisfying to, to know that um, the end result was something that wasn't like really forced or rushed or anything, you know? And I think you kind of answered this next question, but I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's the first, it's the first, the band's first full length, since uh, 2013, Static and Trembling. So it sounds yeah. like, I mean, with that much time in between, did that seem, it sounds like it benefited the band. I mean, like, because I feel like sometimes that can be you have almost too much time to overthink things, but it sounds like it went the other way and it kind of worked in your favor and you guys had time yeah. to, like, really work out a more, like, thorough idea of an album. You know, do you, do you yeah, feel for, that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the I think another, another part of that, too, was you know, story changes has been a band for I think about 15 years now. And we, wow. we went, we went so hard the first eight or nine years, um, toward quite a bit. And, um, we're just doing it constantly that, um, like even the first, cause I've been playing with Hawthorne for over nine years now. And even the first few years that I was playing with Hawthorne, like story was still super active. Um, I was just always gone. I'd get home from Hawthorne. I would immediately, would immediately leave, for story changes tour um and i think i think right around the time after we finished static and trembling and that came out um i just hit a spot where i was like I, 
something has to kind of give a little just because it's so busy with both projects. Um, so it slowed down a little as far as the, the full length front, but kind of what we found also that benefit us benefited us is we, we put out a good deal of music in between that record and this record. We just did it in the form of like, um, we put out a couple different singles. We put out an EP, uh, the uh, Never in Daydream EP that we did with Little Heart Records, which is cool. Um, and like Photograph 7-inch, we did that a couple years ago. So we, we kind of like kind of got our fix for putting stuff out with just focusing on like a few songs at a time. And uh, that was super fun for a while and kind of gave us a chance to breathe. and Because when you do a full-length record, there's just it's just a lot to take on with that many songs. Um, but I think after after you know three or four years of that we kind of got the itch to do a full length again and really kind of ramped it up and started writing this record over the last couple of years and i mean you know real quick for people who uh, might not be familiar with the story changes i mean how did the band did start as a duo with you and poppy how did you guys get the band going um it started like both of us were involved in other bands and i, I was kind of doing a pop punk band that kind of fizzled out and um kind of turned into this and we originally started touring as a, as a three piece um had a friend in town that was playing bass and and did that for for a couple of years and then when when it fizzled out with the other member with the bass player we just decided we had some other friends filling in actually uh matt jenkins from like uh that's done merch for hawthorne heights for a long time off and on that runs feature destination records like he filled it on bass for a couple tours kind of a side note um, to that too um all our buttons if anyone listening has our power cord oh, yeah. hour buttons those were made by him yeah he owns a button company he's awesome it's like the the cheapest and quickest turnaround for buttons that you'll ever find on the internet he's awesome it's uh think twice buttons.com um but yeah he played he played with us for a while filled in to kind of help us out um right around the time our second record came out um and we had just various friends filling in and then at some point we um a lot of our friends that were filling in were from out of town so when when we would rehearse we would rehearse as a two-piece um running like loops and stuff like that to fill it out and um and this was kind of you know a few years back before before a lot of bands were running tracks and stuff it really wasn't a normal thing and we uh, I forget how it happened, but essentially, like, somebody we had set to fill in for a tour couldn't make it, so we just did it as a two-piece, and um, and and everyone loved it. Like, all the kids on tour were, like, that have seen us a bunch over the years were like, that's awesome. Like, it's really cool just seeing the two of you on stage. So we kind of just did it like that for... Um, for a long time like for the for the longest history of the band we were it was just the two of us um and it, it's always been super fun and we got to, got to do a lot of touring like that like my first few tour few first few tours that i did in hawthorne heights like we were out like story changers was out supporting them so i just played in both bands which was kind of kind of fun but also like an exhausting night but, <laughs> i can uh, imagine there was like there was like two summers looking back i'm like man how did I do that? <laughs> I was basically on stage all summer, but it was super fun. Um, and then just recently, you know, in the last uh, three years, we've been playing with um, another dude. Uh, we, were, we weren't ever going to get another guy because it just works so well with the two of us, uh, specifically when I was always gone with Hawthorne and then we'd come home. Um, and uh, Chris, we call him Poppy, our drummer. It was just so easy to make one call to figure out when we could get together and rehearse and play shows. And then um, in the last few years, my bandmate in Story Changes, Chris, has been playing in Hawthorne Heights as well. So it's also that's made it super easier to know 
when we can play story changes shows and kind of schedule around it. So we weren't going to get another guy. And then um, uh, a few years ago, probably three years ago now, um, a good friend of ours, Chris Serafini, from, uh, he was in one of my all-time favorite bands called The Stereo. Great band. Um, yeah, an amazing band. He was in Pollen, which uh, was a great Fueled by Ramen's record band back in the day. They did a bunch of touring with like, Descendants and all. Um, and uh, he was in that band Let Go that the story changes that a split with. Um, and he actually played bass on all of our songs on that split. And um, we've just toured with him off and on um, with bands he's been in over the years, we, you know, a ton of time. So we've spent a lot of time on the road. We knew we got along really well. He's always been like one of my best friends and he was living in Arizona for the last decade. And he just recently moved back to Pittsburgh where he's from. And, you know, long story short, we just kind of connected again. And he, uh, he had just finished up a two year stint of playing bass in the Jim Blossoms. Oh, really? He was kind of filling in for them. Their guy had some like family life stuff going on, so he got um, he got approached about doing that. So he had played for them for a couple years, um, and then when that was done, kind of they had like a time frame set. And then when the um, the bass player was coming back, that's when Chris, uh, him and his wife, decided at that point like they were already kind of thinking about moving back to Pittsburgh. So they just decided to move back. So he. He moved back. It just finished like playing with that band. It didn't have anything else going on. He just kind of hit me up and uh, we started talking about it and we weren't really looking to get another guy, but he just kind of, he just kind of happened and it's awesome. He's a, he's a shredder and a, a great friend. And it, it really says something about how, how good he is and how good of friends we are that we were a two piece band for eight years and never had anyone else on stage with us. And we did, we did our first like little tour with Chris and it never felt weird. Not even from the first rehearsal, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it should have felt weird, but it never <laughs> did. It just felt right. So like, he's awesome. He's a, he's a great dude. He's got so many great stories. Like, uh, I've known that dude for what feels like half my life. And to this day, when after a show, when we sit back and, you know, crack open a beer or something, he'll, he'll start talking about like, some crazy tour story to this day. There, like, there's so many new ones that I haven't heard before. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. I I really like the uh, the new album title "To Hell with This Delicate Equation." I was wondering, what is the meaning of that? Um, that's basically like with um, with the story changes specifically, but I also feel like even like with what I've learned in Hawthorne, like with being a band. For, for that long, you kind of get in this rut where, and I don't want to call it a rut, um, but where people kind of, uh, people have a set way that they expect you to sound or like how to be as a band. So when we were writing songs for this, um, it was like, um, you know, you start writing a song and you're just like, whoa, like this, this record's got a little more like a, aggressive. It's a little more like aggressive vocals to it. And some of the songs are... Uh, I mean, the story changes has always kind of had some heavier stuff, but uh, some of the stuff on the new ones, just a, it's, there's a different vibe to it. And when we were putting some of the songs together, I was like, man, does this fit with what people would expect the story changes record to be? And at some point we were just like, screw that. Like, like to hell with that. Like, let's, let's just write a record and uh, who cares what it's supposed to sound like or like how it's supposed to fit in with every genre we're supposed to be. And let's just, uh, let's just 
do what we want to do, that kind of thing. And uh, um, that became kind of the theme for the record. And then lyrically, um, I kind of took that and applied that to, I think, like, um, as I'm getting a little older, I've I've learned that in my life, too. There's like a certain way that you're supposed to be, you know, and um, I think all of us kind of growing up, like listening to punk rock and stuff, you it's still instilled in us like screw that like i'm gonna be the person i want to be and i'm not gonna be labeled and blah 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 and that whole thing so i think i think it kind of applied to just musically and um just living your life is like not within us any sort of particular set of rules that society's kind of put out there that's cool i like that i really like that um, you know, there, there's definitely a 90s influence sound, I would say, on parts of the record. Was that a conscious effort or is that just kind of, you know, influences coming through just what you tend to listen to? A little bit of both. Not super conscious, but I think around the time when we recorded Static and Trembling, which was our last full and prior, that was the first time a lot of the kind of 90s stuff started creeping in. And it got a little less kind of pop punk and more like pop punk 90s with 90s influences. <laughs> and uh, um little grungy i guess and uh it was a little more conscious effort on that record to like hey let's start letting this creep in um and then we did the follow-up to that was the never endangering ep and that went super 90s um and then this was kind of like at this point with um the new record we didn't really think about it anymore i think i think we just got reached a spot where we're like okay let's just throw out the rules and um now we're super comfortable kind of letting the nineties shine <laughs> to it, you know? So um, I love that. I love that era of music. It's like what I grew up on and uh, it's probably my, it's like my go-to when if I'm driving the van or in the tour bus or whatever, like I just, uh, I'm just all about like late nineties kind of indie punk. That's, that's what I was wondering too, because I mean, the album doesn't even sound like it's just a you know, like a straight nineties record or anything like that. But you hear yeah. the influence, I think, on there. But I think it, I think it works well. It kind of, it kind of builds on what you guys have already been doing, and I think it Thanks. sounds really good. And you know, kind of, I, I would, I would compare it in this way that the guitars sound really big on the new album, um, almost like in a jawbreaker way. Where I know you're the only guitar player, but the the guitars sound like massive. They sound really good. What was your guitar Thanks. rig like for this? Um, I'm a big kind of Marshally type guy. Uh, and I was using, um, like I have a JCM 800, like SLX or JCM 900 SLX that I've had for years. That was on the first couple story records. I used that. I used, um, I've been working with a great company called black star the last few years. And I used, um, their MK two head on this. Um, I honestly used, um, quite a bit of just like, uh, the 11 rack guitar plug-in stuff for a lot of the leads like i've never been a huge like digital modeling type guy but um for some of the lead stuff particularly when i was writing the record and working on it late um i i it'd be like super late and my wife would be upstairs asleep so i couldn't like crank up an amp you know um <laughs> so i would essentially do, do it with like oh i'm gonna use this to kind of work on writing the parts and then i'll i'll retract them later with an amp and uh some of those tracks ended up being so cool that i was just like I'm not gonna even gonna retract this because like it sounds that good, you know. I was super. I don't. I, I guess I didn't think some of like the lead parts and stuff. I was like, I don't think I could get a better sound, mic in the amp. So I'm just not gonna mess with it, you know. It's it's amazing how far that technology's come. 
it really is. It goes back to me what we were talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you go you go back to the days of okay, you could demo things on you know a four track in your in your bedroom, but like now, like you're saying, it's like you can do the final product there. You don't just have to like demo things. You can record an entire album, which is yeah, just, ins- you know, it's cool. It's insane. I just uh, like total side note. I just kind of invested and got some more just some more toys for the studio. Not not a whole lot of stuff, but like I I've never messed with any of the Universal Audio stuff, and they're they're like Marshall guitar plugins are are ridiculous they're like i'm like two days into playing around with this thing and it's like it makes me never want to record with a real one because it's like <laughs> it sounds so good so it's pretty rad that's cool um you know how, how did you end up joining hawthorne heights and we mentioned it earlier i mean you got you've been doing it now for almost a decade um how, how did yeah. you originally get in um well you know i've known those guys forever i um uh just talking about this with JT the other day. I uh, I was in a band called Rod. It was like an old pop punk band I did, and I played the One Two Three Club in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, and met the singer of JT's old band, Late Start, and uh, and then through that got in touch with them and like traded stuff, and then eventually JT moved to Ohio, and uh, met him at a show, and we've always been friends, and I've I've known Matt from all the bands Matt was in over the years just to play shows with my old bands and, um, you know, Casey and, and Mike and Aaron knew all of them really well too. And, um, so we'd always been friends and, uh, Poppy story changes drummer is, was friends with him. Uh, when we started the story changes, um, one of our earliest shows was, um, Hawthorne had us, uh, supporting them at their hometown release, release party for the silence in black and white. Um, so it's kind of cool that we got to do that. And, uh, and that was just fun because these were our friends and we wanted to support them putting out their records. So they, they asked us to play, they were going on tour. They asked us to play that show and we're like, cool. And the show was just going to be at the Knights of Columbus hall, which was the rental hall where we threw all of our all ages shows. And we're like, cool. And then they went on that tour and, and the band slowly started like blowing up on that tour because the record was doing really well. So it was such a cool thing to see. It was so cool to like keep in keep in contact and hear from them and hear how good things were going and be like, you know, that's cool, but you did it's until you see it, you don't really get a grasp on it. And we showed up to that show and there was like a bazillion kids out in the parking lot that couldn't get in because the show was so packed. You know, it was like nice. that kind of thing. You're like, Whoa, this is like you know, you're seeing it firsthand, like there is like something really special going on right now. Um so it's so cool to do that and um they they took us on a lot of early shows and stuff, which was cool. I remember we played the creepy crawl in St. Louis together when they were promoting that record. And, uh, it was sold out. It was like oversold and super crowded and, uh, like so sweaty. You could just see, see like the precipitation in the air. JT got shocked <laughs> on the microphone. Probably oh, because of how like wet it was in the club. <laughs> electricity. But, um, so no, we just stayed in contact and then, um, friends over the years. And then, um, um years later uh they were doing skeletons and um they didn't finish all the backing vocals they won on that record when they were in the studio which is a weird contrast because they did that record with howard benson and then which is like and they, they that record's 
cost a bazillion dollars to wind up spend a ton of money. So they went to this massive studio which, and like, it sounds so good. And then they, to finish the back and build was they just were like, okay, well, we'll just do them at home. And they did it in a basement. <laughs> so um, <laughs> totally punk, so punk of them. It was cool. Um, so they, uh, they got a hold of me and, uh, I got to come out and do some backing vocals on that record. And, um, you know, we'd all like stayed in touch over the years, but you know, they, they'd went on to, to like be on tour constantly and story changes was still grinding and we were on tour constantly. So it was, even though we were friends and still living in the same town, stayed in touch. We had, we just didn't see each other as, as much. And, um, so it was cool. Came in and did some vocals on that and kind of reconnected and, um, the tour they did the first tour they did leading up to that record they invited story changes out to come on the tour which was super cool it was a really big tour for us and uh so i came out and we just uh it was like and they had night beast out too which is uh when when night beast was still just a solo artist and uh who's also from our hometown so it was like a super fun tour and we all kind of reconnected and we ended up staying in the same hotels every night a lot of times just crashing same rooms together and hanging out all night you know and uh just really reconnecting again. Um, it was like a month and a half of touring and it was great. And then, um, got them from that and we just all stayed in touch. And, uh, I think it's something they've been talking about for a while with bringing in a guitar player, but, um, I just think it was never something that, that felt right yet. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so when that record was coming out, uh, a lot of the songs on that record had, guitar parts that were kind of hard to sing and play like multiple guitar parts and it was just hard for them with um with jt singing and playing to do them um to have a vote to have someone who's singing while playing the guitar to have them play the other guitar part essentially so they approached me about coming in and um it was cool i was just like oh let's try and see how it goes and it was one of those things that i came in and we had we had a rehearsal just to try it um with no plans and then it turned into like cool um this was great they were like, do you want to play a show next week? And I was like, uh, yeah, how many songs? And it was like an 18 song set or something. Um, so I was like, cool. And then I was like, I'll learn it. We'll see how it goes. And I think the mentality was like, like from the get go, it was just like, this sounds cool. Let's just do it. And if, if, if there ever is anything you can't do like show wise, don't worry about it. We'll do it without you and just go from there. And then it was like, fast forward. It's been like nine and a half years or whatever. And, they haven't played a show without me, so I guess I'm here to stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking uh, yesterday, it's like, I, I mean, obviously I've seen Hoth, I've seen you guys like countless times, and of all those times, I think only one, the first time I saw them in 2009 was the only show I've ever seen without you, which is insane to yeah. think now, because it feels like, like I can't believe it's almost been 10 years. I'm like, oh yeah, you've been in the band. I mean, I, I first saw you, I think you played a show with them at the Grog Shop with Bayside in like 2010. Yeah. That would have been oh, like the first time I saw show. you. Yeah, that was that was, that was such a, a fun show. The first time I yeah. saw you play with them, and that was that was only the second time seeing them. So yeah, that's insane yeah. to think how long you've been. And you're not even the new guy. Poppy's now, and Poppy's been in how many years? But now he's the new guy, I guess. Yeah, probably four. I think. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, just, that blows that blows my mind even more. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> but he's always kind of been around because even when I started playing with Hawthorne. Um, Poppy was like tour managing us or coming out on the road and stuff. Um, just kind of working with the band in one way or another. So um, that's why when Aaron left uh, and Aaron left on good terms, our, our old Hawthorne's our drummer, he just, um, his daughter was getting older and he, he wanted to spend more time at home with her. Also, he had a, a company he had been working on and he got a great opportunity for that. Um, 
and there never was any like uh who should we try out or anything it was just like oh poppy's already here poppy's awesome he's our friend you know what i mean like, yeah it was it was like no brainer it was like poppy you're playing drums now <laughs> so Nate, uh, that's been great too he fits good uh, with the band and everything too it, it seems it seems yeah. like everything's worked out really well for every everyone yeah that that's one thing that's that um i've always loved about hawthorne heights is that um you know like for a band that's had you know multiple gold records or whatever or i guess we'll just say like for a band that's had like mainstream like success like everything about it has still been within like their hometown and like kind of their punk roots and stuff like and i you know not that i think the band's like super punk rock or anything it's sounding but i think everything about the way that we've we've operated and how they operated before has been very like honest and true to themselves and kind of like doing it their own way and for a band like that to to replace members with just like oh we'll get these dudes that are from our hometown i mean they could audition and got it got whoever you know what I oh mean? yeah like um and uh they were like no these are two guys that are you know that are working hard in our hometown and we're really doing it and that's awesome so no and I, I i think i think you're right about that too i mean just even from an outside perspective i mean yeah, absolutely. A band who's had massive success and has sold a lot of records and some of the most down-to-earth guys, I mean, all of you guys in that camp, and you're all very do-it-yourself. I mean, I think that's admirable, too, a band who, you know, from the beginning, kind of, with that success and doing what you got to do, you know, music industry shifts and changes, and you become, you know, you do things that you have to do, you do it yourself, and, I mean, I, I think all you guys have been really smart with that. And I think that's why it works. That's why you guys are still here, you know. You're not doing reunion yeah, shows. You've never left. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we've just, uh, you know, all of us came from backgrounds where we've we've had to work really hard. And, um, you know, no one in, in either bands had anything kind of handed to them. So it's like, um, at this point, it's like we just still feel very lucky and fortunate to be able to, to do this and and be able to go all over the world and have people that 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 care that much about our music that we can still do that you know like um it's it's super cool that like the emo punk thing and is like there's like this nostalgia and and resurgence of that kind of thing and there's like the emo night things and um you know and that that's translated over to like all the, you know all the similar bands and us are like you know there's more hype about it again but like even seven years ago when that wasn't an issue and like people were just like like you know what i mean like is it hard doing this and it's just like dude i grew up working hard construction before before like music went well for me so it's like it's just like any other job if you love it and you do it it's like this is this is amazing i get to pay my bills playing music you know that's like, awesome I, I think there's like a misconception with people when like a band starts playing an arena or something and then if and then a fast forward like a few years later they're playing like a 500 cap club or something people were just like oh man like that's not the heyday do you miss that and it's just like well no but i mean it's like this is awesome stuff you know? yeah so, well band just, band shift too i don't think people realize yeah. that it's like things nothing you know trends and and whatnot things just shift back and forth i mean that's just how it goes you know i don't i don't yeah, think yeah. anyone has like very few bands i think have a really like straight line career that doesn't go up or down. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think that happens much in the music industry. Yeah. I don't think it, it ever truly did. And it's certainly not anymore. Um, and it's just, 
it's just one of those things. That's it's why I always tell young bands, they're like, what's the one advice or whatever? And I'm like, just make sure you love doing it. Because if you love doing it, then it's great. You know, like, because um, it is a lot of work. Even when it's going really good, it's a lot of work. Um, so much so that it's like, if you don't love it, it's never going to be worth it. You know? Um, but if you love it and you love getting out there playing your songs, then it's, it's, then it's the absolute best, you know? It's cool. Like, it's the coolest... I use the I use the word job loosely, but it's the coolest job I've ever or will ever have. Like getting just to go out and meet people and and play music that we wrote and uh, and get to see the world doing it. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. It sounds. I mean, it absolutely sounds like it. And, you know, as we as we kind of wind up here, the band did just release a great music video for Shooting Stars. We're going to play that here after the interview, as as well as cool. a bunch of other stuff off the album. But uh, I really like the new music video. It's very funny, set in a bowling alley. Where did you guys end up filming that at? You know, that, that is in, um, it's in a roller rink and it's in the roll. It's in a, a skate world in Vandalia, Ohio, which is actually the skating rink that I went to growing up. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, which is pretty cool. I wasn't super into roller skating or anything, but it was like growing up, it was like on the weekends, that was like a hangout spot. Um, and I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 11 or 12, you know, young um we would go there to play video games and stuff um arcade games and stuff and yeah it was cool i i've had a, the ideal of doing that video for a while and it just didn't work out until now and um there's a really cool production company from our hometown that's called sound valley dayton and uh i spoke with them about if they'd want to do it uh ashley who directed the video was super into the idea she loved the kind of the treatment i put together for it and um and storyline and i was on tour uh, like a long tour promoting bad frequencies so i i just essentially told her like this is what i want to do can we find a location and um skate world vandalia was my number one spot that i wanted <laughs> to do it and she she nailed it she somehow talked them into letting us do it there because they don't normally let like people come in for private things um and it was awesome it was like uh the best part is i have not been in that building and 20 years oh, wow. <laughs> and, I, and I walked in and it was a time capsule it was exactly <laughs> it was exactly the same as when i went when i was younger so it was pretty cool that's very neat so it, it it sounds like then the rest of the year i mean what can people expect from you with the story changes in hawthorne heights i mean we're going to get a little bit of touring then from uh each of them yeah hawthorne's doing the second leg of um uh, the the 15-year anniversary shows, uh, which is super fun. We're playing Silence from front to back, and then we're also playing like a uh, a pretty long list of additional songs. It's been cool because um, we're throwing in a few things that we haven't done, if ever, like if years, if ever, we haven't done. Um, and then um, we're doing next, uh, actually Tuesday, I leave for some festivals. We're doing Summerfest in Milwaukee with Taking Back Sunday, and then we're doing... Uh, July 5th, we're doing Quebec City with Saves the Day and Take It Back Sunday. So that'll Ooh. be fun. Um, and we've got our annual Dayton is for Lovers show coming up on uh, July 12th in Dayton at the Yellow Cab. Um, Story Changes is, is going to be doing some more stuff. We did a little bit of touring for the record, did some shows. Um, we were just out over this weekend, got to see some of the Punchline guys and some other projects they're doing. With, um, really cool band called Pack that Chris is doing, we played with. Oh, nice. Uh, it's, it's, it's got... Uh, Justin from Jill and Our Theory, um, one of the guys from Zayos in it, but it's it was really cool. Uh, and there, and shoot, he had another band that played called Sweet 
uh, or called Another Cheetah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've heard uh, I heard one of their songs that he put, yeah. he put up. Paul, Paul's in it, and uh, PJ too, right? Yeah, yeah, and they were great. Yeah, they were super cool. So it was really good to see those guys. It's a total, total side thing, but I uh, can't, I can't, uh, can't not plug those guys. Got to um, give, got to give Punchline some love. We always do on this yeah. show. Yeah, oh, they're so good. Um, but yeah, Story's going to be doing some more stuff. Uh, we're getting ready to announce a couple couple regional things like a cincinnati and ohio date and we're looking to um like late september early october do uh another round of touring for the record probably through the midwest and some east coast um but yeah and then hawthorne's got some other stuff that will be announced soon for for the end of the year but it, it should be cool um and yeah i mean we're just uh we're just really stoked on how the story record turned out and uh it's just there's not a ton of opportunities to tour on it because we're so busy with Hawthorne but um, we're just excited that everybody's been digging it so much and uh, checking it all online like I did not I did not in a million years expect to uh, I mean we, we, we knew it would do okay but uh, the reactions been so good so we didn't expect it to be this good so we're super excited that's I mean that that's awesome I, I honestly I mean I, I've always liked the band I think this is the best thing you guys have released easily I, I think it's the best album so, I mean, you know, kind of closing up, where can people find you online, staying uh, connected with you? Um, just thestorychanges.com. If you go there, there's uh, the video. You can watch the video there for Shooting Stars. Uh, there's a link on the top to to check it out on Spotify. Um, and then at the bottom, there's like links to, to stream the record on whatever platform you want or to check out our merch store. So, And we do have it on, uh, I think we still have all three variants of the vinyl left and... Uh, cds and all that fun stuff very nice so go check it out um to hell with this delicate equation new story changes record mark this has been fun thank you so much for calling in yeah i'm glad we got to do this man we've been talking about doing it for a while i'm glad it worked out yeah and and uh right now here is shooting stars right here on the power court hour
inside my head I got a million different reasons I should be dead I put the pen to the paper and the pedal to the floor Fill up another cup and I'm out the door I got the Arizona desert inside my chest I got a million different reasons there's nothing left I open the dam and let the blood flood out Hoping like hell that I can end this now
Disease. Did you know it was dangerous? <laughs>